Hey everyone, I'm Sheree. And I'm Han. You're listening to It Just Got Real. So Han, bienvenidos! (laughs) (laughs) So tonight we are recording live together from Mexico. Playa del Carmen to be exact. (laughs) To be exact. Last night I flew in with my dog and in the middle of like a pretty major work situation and it's also COVID still. And I got here and was like, whoa, I can't believe I'm doing this. More on that in a sec. Sat down at dinner with Sheree and of course, like always, Sheree just has this amazing group of people that's around her whenever I've hung out with her in different random locations around the world. (laughs) Just, like, super great group of humans. And, like, immediately dropped into this, like, beautiful social situation. Also very safe. We're outside. We're being very respectful, wearing masks, being careful. And Sheree gives this toast at dinner, and she's like, there's a really fine line between living your life and being safe. And thank you so much to all of the people here tonight that have chosen to essentially like take this risk to be together and choose this path to like enjoy this moment and live this time together. And it was just so touching because what you said, Sheree, was like exactly what I had been feeling all day long in the airport, dealing with all the things. (laughs) Like, it's such a fine line between really choosing to live and choosing to be afraid. Yeah. I mean, I love that that was your moment because I think it was, even for me, who generally takes a lot of risk, it was super difficult to decide to come here. I had traveled in August, and I talked about this on the pod, to, like, go see my son's dad, but it was still in the U.S. And there was definitely something different about coming to another country in a country where, like, the norms aren't the same as, like, they are in New York. And I know for you, it was an even bigger deal because of everything you have going on. I think one thing that might be interesting for, like, folks listening is, like, what was that moment? And how did you go through this, like, decision-making process? Because I think whether it's travel during COVID or just, like, generally trying to figure out how do you make a move when you are feeling very real and justifiable fear is probably something like a lot of people want to know. So I'm curious about like how you navigated the feelings you had considering all that's on your plate and like, how did you decide to push forward? Wow. That is a question. And I think the answer is probably not what people may expect to hear, which is that I've kind of always been like a weird person in the sense that I think I've operated well under like a lot of stress, probably too much stress and done a lot of things before I was ready to do them, if that makes sense. And like took on a lot of responsibility at a young age and like learned how to, well, I guess just never really knew anything different than like pushing through those barriers and like doing things, even though they felt uncomfortable because I just had done a lot of that. In fact, I actually kind of had to learn as I got older that 
that's not always that healthy. Mm. And like, you need to learn your own boundaries and learn what a comfort zone feels like. Mm. And I actually had to teach myself that, like what comfort felt like and what outside of my comfort zone felt like, because I don't think I really knew the difference. Mm. (laughs) I was just a risk taker that was like, I'll do all this stuff that's totally insane and low-key intense Mm. and not really understand why I was stressed out all the time. Mm. Know thyself. Yeah, which is a bit chaotic and a bit intense way to live. Mm -hmm. And I think in the last, especially five years, I've gotten a lot better at like understanding my own tolerances for what is like a comfortable level of stress and what's like a little bit beyond what I should really be doing. Mm. And this was like just slightly outside of that comfort zone, but it wasn't so far out of it that I was like... I'm just going to do this and kind of go into that zone. Yeah. It was like, this is just a tiny bit outside of my comfort zone. And really there was only like a couple of things. It was like one, traveling during COVID is obviously can be dangerous and you have to be very aware and be very careful though. I have to say like Mexico actually feels a bit safer than the U.S. in a lot of ways. <laughs> They've definitely handled it differently. The flight didn't feel super safe, but again, just like being aware, like I was wearing double masks and being super safe and trying my best not to be a super spreader and got a COVID test before I got on the plane and was super responsible about doing all the things. Mm -hmm. But I think the combination of like that operational stuff of flying during COVID plus having a new dog that I got in August who is a rescue that we're still <laughs> still getting to know each other a little bit and being like, okay, we're just going to go on a plane together. He was fine, totally chill, slept the whole way, but I didn't know exactly how that was going to go down. Mm. Like those two things in combination with the work stress was just, it was just like a tiny bit outside of the comfort zone. But I guess, how did I choose it? Well, I've always been the kind of person that says yes to things. And I really prioritize people and experiences because it just always pays back dividends in life. Yeah. I knew that even if something went wrong, it would still be worth it, (laughs) if that makes sense. (laughs) Like there would be like a story or something, you know? (laughs) It would be worth it for the life, for the life experience. I felt that way in deciding because my good girlfriend, Claire, who has a really cool company called Up in the Air Life, if you like, like luxury travel, like she's your girl. She had been trying to get me to come here for like the whole COVID. And I was like super hesitant because I was like, is it worth it? Da, da, da. But like when I finally came, it's funny. Like it's not the like, don't operate out of fear in the like Donald Trump, you can beat it kind of way. Like it definitely is not that, mm. but it is sort of the like, unfortunately, we don't have a system of governance, particularly coming from the U.S. that's going to ever be like all clear you know, you're good on COVID now. Like, Yeah, no one's ever really going to tell you no. when it's safe. So I was like, okay, so in general, I'm going to have to like figure out the way to live with this because it just settled into me that like living with this is the thing mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future. This is a thing that we're going to be contending with at least for a couple of years. And so it's like, okay, if I got to move like this for a couple of years, like what does that look like? And, like, who do I want to be with? Who do I trust? And so in some ways, it's, like, also made me get really clear on, like, relationships and, like, if I'm going to take a risk, what am I taking it for? So I've had a really 
interesting series of like compounding micro decisions Mm. paired with this decision to like come to Mexico for a month. I think like finding the new normal is definitely a part of it. Like, okay, we're not supposed to travel unless it's essential, but like at what point does your mental health become essential because you've basically been alone for the last nine months? Like I took a lot of steps at the beginning of COVID to put myself in a situation that was safe and where I had enough space and like prioritize my physical surroundings. And those were good decisions that I made, but also they've been really isolating decisions. And like, I live alone in LA, which is already a pretty isolating city to be in. Um, Like everybody lives in their cars. (laughs) And (laughs) though right not right now, actually, everyone just lives in their homes, but it's already a pretty isolating city. And I think it feels like COVID's just like thrown this blanket of even more isolation on top of it, where unless you already had this really close-knit group of people that were really already in your neighborhood, you're not really seeing anyone. And you don't really feel that, like, fabric of the city that the, you do in New York. And I talked about this a bit, like, last week on the episode when we were chatting about the Lakers game. Yeah. But, yeah, part of it was just, like, I need to be around a person. I need to be around, like, some people that I'm close to yeah. and that care about me and I care about them. And so it was worth it to take the risk carefully to make this trip. And it did require, like, a lot more planning. Yeah. Like, I was like, I'm going to come for a longer period of time. There's no, like, going away for a weekend right now. It's like, go somewhere, like, stay there for, like, minimum two weeks. Like, make sure everything's cool. Like, get the test bring all of your PPE. Like it was definitely, it was ops heavy. I mean, down to the like (laughs) full disclosure where like, yes, we're both in the same place, but she's actually across the street from me because it's like, she just got here. We're we're not doing this indoor life together. We're doing the outdoor life together for like five days. There are levels like, so if anybody's like thinking about like, I'm trying to make a move that's safe, you might need to take on some of these extra things to just, like, make sure that, like, the risk and the fulfillment doesn't go left, you know? So those are, like, some of the decisions we made. But 24 hours in, like, I'm really happy that you're here. I'm so happy that I made this decision. Yes. Yeah, it, like, it forces a lot of conversations, too. Like, you're like, okay, like, we need to talk about this and, like, figure it out. Like, what are our, our tolerances with each other? Yeah. And it does force you to get a lot more clear on your relationships and really choose who you want to be with, mm-hmm. why you want to be with them, and if you're willing to take the risk to do certain things to be with them. Because, yeah, yeah you can't take time with people for granted anymore. No, you absolutely can't. You absolutely can't. That just resonated on so many levels. But the way you think tomorrow can go is like actually not a thing. Any second, everything can change. And so mm-hmm. being more intentional about everything, including the risk you take and for why, I think it's like a huge part of this whole like us being here together. And I'm just super excited about it. And we're one day in. I know. It's so great. So this episode is coming to you from Mexico, and I think we'll have another one while we're still here. We will. Next, we will, we will, we Next will. week. We will, we will. And there will be more things to talk about, and 
more adventures that we will get up to then. Absolutely. And you'll definitely want to tune into the Got Real Pod Insta stories over the next week or so, because I'm sure there'll be some shenanigans there. (laughs) And I use shenanigans super intentionally. (laughs) Should we talk about some record scratch stuff? I think we should. So it's funny. This is all you. My record scratch and the record scratch for this week could literally be its own episode, but we're here and it's very Mexico related. I think I'm still sort of in it. Like, I think I keep reliving it. So one of the things that happened over the weekend was that I somehow ended up hosting two like pretty major events started as a chill, like I'm going to DJ on this rooftop with like my homegirl, Denisha, who funny enough, Han and I both know and discovered that I was in Playa del Carmen based on like a tweet I put out about like my son learning how to order Walmart online. So like separate thing. But anyway, she's like a a new (laughs) DJ, but like really good at talking to people. And also used to be our banker at SVB. Used to be Han's banker, like levels, like (laughs) levels right now. So we have these two back-to-back outdoor like situations. And I met a guy, which I hope will be a part of future episodes, but we'll see, you know. I don't know. (laughs) But anyway. More on that later. TBD. But... (laughs) So we were having, like, a pretty epic time, like, went out and got, like, post-event tacos, et cetera, et cetera. And he's walking me to my apartment here in Playa del Carmen. And we're, like, a block away from my house. And the, like, federales, (laughs) if you watch Bad Boy, you know why I'm using this term. But it literally was the federales. It was, like, the federal police rolled up on us mad fast like it was like skirt skirt and pulled over they hop out of the freaking police pickup truck which is like super dramatic it's like a big ass tonka truck with like bright ass lights and they've got like all the guns like the ak-47 like all of the like military police vibes like they have and they walk up to us and in spanish they're like we need to search him for drugs and the guy is like Six foot three, tall, black dude. But like, we were literally just walking down the street. Like there was, we weren't even having like a turn up laugh. Like we were just like walking and chilling. And so they're talking in Spanish. I'm fluent in Spanish. So I'm like having a conversation with them. Like, so por qué? Where is this coming from? And so there's like a bit of a back and forth. And they get to the point where they are like, if you don't let us search him, we're going to take him for like 36 hours. And I was just like, what? So like he and I kind of quickly have like a discussion, like, yeah, there's a principle, but like we probably need to like get out of this situation. In the meantime, I'm like calling the U.S. Embassy. I'm like, because I just know better. Like I've lived, particularly I've lived in this country. Like I've lived in Mexico for three years before Like, I know the deal. And so I'm like, nah, this isn't it. And it was really scary, like, to the point where we were just, like, holding hands and just, like, I'm just trying my best to, like, use this Spanish to, like, be clear that, like, I'm clear about what happens here and what the way of doing things is. But, like, they were on some, like, 
this isn't America, patting the Glock 9 in the pocket, suggestive things. They searched his bag. They didn't see anything. They, like, came up behind him and, like, put their hands in his pockets. Like, it was petrifying. I don't know if people have seen Queen and Slim, but, like, that was the first date we had. Like, it was, like, that level of, like, what the fuck? And we're, like, in the middle of the road. It was horrible. And it was... There were so many levels of, like, thoughts in my head. Like, one was, like, fuck. Like, for two nights in a row, we were... The events that I had were, like, mostly Black people. We called them African sunsets. There was Afrobeats. And we were all celebrating, like, Black optionality. Like, as Black people, like, choosing to be, like, America's some bullshit right now. And there are other things for me to do. And I'm going to do that. And so to sort of end the second night... And that happened and feeling like there was like an element of like, we can't fucking escape this shit. And then also like, I could feel like the emasculation. Mm. He was so much bigger than them. Like who he had to be to keep us safe. You know what I mean? Who I needed to be. Like there were just so many fucking dynamics that were the most. And like, I, I I just, I mean, I'm still kind of shaken up about it, to be honest, but it was like, just the sense of like, we were just walking down the street and they profiled him and they profiled us. And in the end, they like let us go or whatever after like 25 minutes. And like, you think about it, like we're two black people on the road in this country. There's not a lot of black people here. People are driving by. We're in the middle of the road. The police lights are on. Like, it's just criminalized us, you know, in this place. And I'm very clear that they targeted him because of who he was, like, what he looked like, all the things. It was just fucked up. Like, it was just like, we can't even just, like, escape the bullshit by, like, coming to this place. Like, we still have to deal with the fuckery of, like, white supremacy, racial profiling, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it was funny because, like, literally two nights before, I was telling people, like, I lived in Mexico City for three years. Racism is real in this country. Like, whether you're indigenous and there's, like, class and all this other stuff, like, fetishization of, like, black bodies is a thing in this country. And so it was, it was horrible. Like, I mean, I... The record scratch is just like the whole situation was just like, what the fuck? And that context to have it happen in. Oh my God. It was horrible. And I had actually never been in, when my little brother and I drove cross country, there was a situation in Texas where like they pulled us over and were like, why do you have these California plates? They like walked my little brother down the highway. And when I was trying to look at him, through the rear mirror just to like know what was going on. The second police officer basically was like, give me your ID. Basically was trying to stop me from like communicating with my younger brother and like what was supposedly like a run of the mill traffic stop. And so this idea that like black masculinity can be emasculated in these like situations with law enforcement, especially in proximity to women that they're trying to protect, was just like, it really made me think about so many environments where it's like, 
fuck. We talk about like the macro level, like we're not safe, we can get murdered. But like, how are we supposed to have like intimate relationships where there's this element of like, I can't protect the women I'm trying to protect. There's an element of like that. And we're trying to figure out like our family dynamics. And like, I don't know, so many things just like have come to my mind, like as I've been reflecting on it and like thinking about people who are like, I'm coming here to escape. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, like, and so Mm. I don't know, it was, it was kind of, it was very crazy. And I'm, I'm still sort of like in it to some degree. I don't know. I'm just always clear that like there's so much work to do and like leaving America is an option, but it doesn't mean we're like, we don't necessarily get to escape like this part of the thing. And there's a lot of work we need to do to like lean in and change the thing, which is why I think I'm like so political and why I'm so, and not to say that like politics solves everything because it sure as hell doesn't, but there's some work that needs to be done at the root of how like black people are defined because it's not just an American thing. Like it's everywhere. Like this narrative that we are somehow a threat is everywhere. And it was really hard. Like it was really hard yeah. to experience and it was shitty all around, to be honest. But that was a record scratch. Like, like I said, it could have been its own fucking episode, but. Yeah, I mean, that kind of is the episode right there. <laughs> it should be. I mean, that's so important. Yeah. How's he feeling after all this, do you know? We, is he okay? Okay, might be a stretch. I mean, I think he and I have been talking about it, like, since it happened. And he was really open about, like, feelings and thoughts he had about it, which I thought was really dope. Like, that he could be mm-hmm. expressive about it. But he also was, like, basically, like, this is this is life. This is life as, like, a 6'3", tall, dark-skinned black dude. Like, this is a part of life experience. And I hated that. Like, I hated that that was the thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, on a lighter note of the whole situation, like, it felt very, like, look at us having this, like, bonding moment. <laughs> it was... Like, it was definitely like, well, here's where we're starting off <laughs> as, like, yeah, new guy in life. So, I don't know. Who knows, like, ultimately the way, like, that's going to be. But it was pretty traumatic way to, like, kick off the first day. That's awful. I'm so sorry that happened to you both. Yeah, life is that way. But. Kind of moving to culture, on the other side of that, I will say the two things we did over the weekend were epic. Like, there is, like, this baby Black people takeover of, like, Tulum and Playa del Carmen right now. That part is epic. Like, despite this, like, shitty moment, the fact that people who maybe traditionally weren't traveling a lot and are kind of seeing America for, like, some of the ugly sides of it, 
And also like with remote work, freeing people up to do things a little bit differently. I met so many people in the past like 48 hours that are just like taking leaps they never took before. And Mm. this area, Tulum and Playa del Carmen, seem to be like place of choice for a bunch of reasons. And in spite of what happened the other night, that still like for me is pretty epic. So I'm trying to like distill the two things and sort of lean into like the other parts of it so that I'm not like stuck, you know, in that moment. Why do you think this this place in particular is becoming the spot? And I've also I've also noticed this anecdotally, but hearing you say it, I'm like, oh, this all makes sense. When I think about all the people I know that have like traveled here recently and been here recently, it's like all my black friends. Yeah. But like why? Well, I think it's a couple things. One, I think there is this element of like going where your folks go. I think everybody does that, but I think we are definitely mm. like we do this. And so there's one was already sort of growing community of black expats in this region, even pre-COVID. Like my friend Claire has lived here for three years. My friend Rashid has lived here for seven years. And so, and they both were kind of like public about those journeys. And so there's a bit of a hub growing. And then I think Instagram and quite frankly, it's cheap and easy to get to Mexico. It's a place that's like low barrier to entry. And so I Mm -hmm. think- a lot of people like dipped their toes in and were like, oh, this works. And the fucking currency, it's like 20 to one, like 20 pesos to a dollar. Yeah. And things are cheap and you can live well. And I think the States is hectic right now. I think people are just opting out and tired and coming here. There's like infrastructure that's different than even like a place like Jamaica or a place like Barbados. It's like the perfect storm for people who want to exercise the option to just not be so present daily with what's happening in the U.S. Mm. and who are like highly impacted by that on a day-to-day from a mental space and then some. Mm -hmm. That's the deal for me. Take it from the travel expert, everybody. There you go. Yeah. That's the TED Talk right there. Yeah. I mean, even in my Vogue... (laughs) Op-ed. Like, I think these are different drivers for, like, this community of people that a lot of people don't think about. And and it gets manifested in a way that, like, no data thing is going to, like, tell you. Like, you have to have that insight to see, like, mm-hmm. this kind of manifesting or whatever. You have to be an expert, be able to distill the insights, and be part of the community to Absolutely. understand it. But how about you? Any culture moments from your side? I got a couple of new tracks to share. So I was really excited. My good friend, Eric Hu, who is an amazing designer, but also pretty badass with the music taste. I randomly turned on NTS2. I love NTS. It's like my favorite radio station to listen to. And I like looked at my phone and I was like, what is this? Is this actually like Eric Hu, like Eric Hu that I know? <laughs> It's like, it's not every day that you just randomly turn on the radio and like your friend is DJing. That was pretty cool. And then we were just chatting music and he sent me this track while I was on my way here called Ascension by, I don't know how you say her name. It's either like Kuka or Kuchka. Anyway, it's wonderful. And I highly recommend this track. And she's collaborated with a lot of really amazing people. 
in the electronic space. And then that prompted me to send him the latest, one of the recent tracks by One of Tricks Point Never, which is called The Long Road Home, which has this incredible orchestration on it. And I'm a real sucker for contemporary tracks that do like full on orchestration. Like we're going to have a string quartet and like a wind section and brass players and like score the whole damn thing. Like if you know our mutual friend by the divine comedy, it's like that levels of orchestration. And so I sent it to him and he was like, wow. And I was like, Oh, I impressed you with my music. That's cool. So maybe you listening as well. will also enjoy these two tracks. That's what I got for you this week in culture. I love it. Been crate digging again. I love it. I probably got like a couple more things in culture. One, I have to shout out this weekend. There was basically a curated film compilation called As Told By Us, which was curated by a media brand called Africat, another media company called For Africans by Africans, short FABA, and then a agency called Melanin Unscripted. And it was like films from 24 Black creatives from around the world to people of African descent everywhere. Like everyone from like New Orleans to Nairobi to London, and it was just so excellently done. And they did it on Friday and Sunday. They did double screenings. And it just was so beautiful to see these voices on screen put together in this way as an independent collaborative effort. Like, I just thought it just kind of really, really blew my mind. And so I just wanted to shout them out for something that I felt like really represented the culture and represented it in a way, it's like a reminder of like, we're in all this turmoil and like a lot of shit is happening, but we're literally still out here creating and tapping into self and visually expressing every ounce of who we can choose to be. And I just loved like everything they did. So shout out to Chica, shout out to Amarichi, Shout out to Dara. You guys like really crushed it. And if you didn't see As Told By Us, you can totally check out astoldbyus.co. I'm not sure if they're doing another screening of it, but if they do, like I definitely suggest people like keep up with it because it was really good. The other sort of aside I have is like, I am a person who is obsessed with the pattern app. Han is not because she hates their design. (laughs) Full disclosure. Oh my God, it's so bad. It is. (laughs) But I noticed they're doing a weird thing where before they had this like super minimalist design, which I liked, and you Mm. didn't. But it was minimalist, but ugly. You see, minimalism actually has to look good. I mean, true. And they haven't gotten better with their design. It almost feels like they have two different people working on design that haven't talked to each other. It's gotten worse. It has. It's so bad. Because at least it was like, Ugly minimalism forever and throughout. Now it's like ugly minimalism meets like weird out of the box startup animation. And they just don't feel like they're in sync. But they like now make you pay. And Mm. I was a little perturbed by it. But what I'm hoping is that like these monthly payments enable them to have a better UI designer. And like that's... (laughs) A part of their so like if anyone knows the people at the pattern app, I hope this new monetization strategy enables you to like find someone that knows that like people finding their friends on the pattern is like 
table stakes with like using having a mobile app that has a social component. So that's my little like aside on the pattern app. I love it otherwise, but I'm now paying you $4.99 a month. Please use those funds to find a better designer. If you need recommendations, I'm right here. I mean, that's hands your girl. So that's it. Like, I think that's all the culture <laughs> stuff I have. That's like kind of all over the place, but that's been this week. I love that. We were all over the place, but we covered everything. Music and film and apps and... All the things. Travel. Like, I mean, you got it all. This was like, you know, the New York Times section of culture this it week was. on the pod. This was like the Sunday, the Sunday paper. <laughs> it's the edit. The edit on Got Real Pod. Like that's <laughs> the big fat culture section for you to like oh feel like gosh. posh with with your coffee because you never actually get an actual paper. Let's be honest. You only like get it sometimes. Right. I mean, I think I don't I don't think I've gotten it non-digital in a minute. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I used an actual newspaper, but it's nice. It is nice. It's nice when you do. Like to touch it. And, like, maybe get some ink yeah, on your thumb. Yeah, like to sniff it. Yeah, yeah. I think there might be a world where I, like, invest in this when I'm back in New York in a couple of weeks. I could see that. I recently got a subscription to the New Yorker magazine. Mm. And I, I did this because – so my old roommate – had one and I got kind of accustomed to reading hers. And then when I didn't have it, I <laughs> at first I was like, oh, you have this? This is so like fancy. But then I realized it like doesn't cost that much money and it's actually kind of nice to have. The physical ones. And the physical ones. And so then they like, I don't know, somehow they tracked me down. They found me. Somehow, also known as algorithms. I was like, somebody has like a really good marketing department over there because they were like, oh, you're an ex-New Yorker that moved to LA. Maybe you're missing the culture. And now we're going to hit you with like this really good offer for the New Yorker magazine. I was like, somebody knows what's up over there. Um, and I totally fell for it. I was like, this is a really good deal. And actually, you know what? I do miss this thing. And we did used to have it delivered to my address. I do kind of miss it. Someone's got you in their conversion <laughs> funnel and you're just like passing through the steps. Exactly. And I was like, you know what? I'm okay with this. I'm going to go through the conversion funnel. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sad part about having your own business. It's like, you know, when you're being marketed to. I was like, I might drop out after year one, so we'll see what the LTV on this subscription is, but you got me for the next 12 months. <laughs> and whatever this like deal is. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. Oh, my God. I, ha- I get the Atlantic. It's nice to read long-form editorial on paper sometimes, even though I do think about trees, but it's an indulgence. That's such a you. That, like... <laughs> That statement is such a you statement, like, and the trees, but, you know, and the people's jobs that, like, will go away if we don't support print. So there's that. Well, yeah. There's a balance. Definitely. Balance. There's a balance. Balance in everything, which is kind of related to your takeaways. So you want to jump there. Which are the takeaways? You teed this up for me. Ah. So the takeaways are, number one, there's only two this week. One is choosing to live life, not living in fear. And like Sheree said earlier, not that other kind of living in fear, but like really more of the sense that you only get one life. Like as my dad always points out to me and reminds me, he says, this is not a dress rehearsal. You only get (laughs) one. Such a dad (laughs) comment. 
It is such a dad thing to say. But he's right. Like, you do only get one, and you get to choose how you live it, and you get to be intentional about it, and you get to choose who you want to prioritize and why. I think I've definitely, I'm sure we've all felt this during COVID. I've, there's been times where I felt like really afraid and I have actually also opted out of things. Mm. Like I opted out of a party that I was invited to a few weeks ago. And when I saw the stories on Instagram, I was like, you know what? I'm really glad I opted out of that. Mm. That was the right choice for me. Like that doesn't feel safe. Mm. This was something that I was like, you know what? I'm going to take the risk and be very careful about it because this is worth it. And so that's point number two, which is like, but be safe when you're choosing to live your life. Like as someone who said yes to probably too many things in life and maybe done some things that I probably shouldn't have, it's a fine line. (laughs) Like you make the calls and you have to live by them. And that's what being an adult is all about and being accountable and being responsible for your actions, making those choices really carefully about how you want to live instead of instead of living in fear, but staying safe at the same time. That's it. Those are the takeaways. I love this. I think we can apply that to everything in our lives. I do too. Like, And I think it's important at a time where I don't think there's been another time, at least in our lifetimes, where the lack of guidance was so obvious that like the hope is that people just really lean into self-ownership. I mean, that's kind of all we have. Yeah. How are we going to navigate this and hold ourselves accountable for our own actions? Because nobody is giving us any direction on how to do it. And I think, like, low-key, we were always supposed to live our lives this way. But I think this is a forcing (laughs) function. (laughs) 2020 has been about so many forcing functions. That is, like, the theme of 2020. Forcing function. Man, should that be the episode title? Mm-hmm. It's like all the things that were like meant to happen are like kind of happening faster than we expected them to, feels like. Yes. And on that note, it's a wrap. We'll see you next week for the next installment of It Just Got Real from Mexico. And in the meantime, you can find us on all of the places that you listen to podcasts. You can subscribe. If you like this show, you can also rate us, which would be really nice if you write something about us in the app store so other people find this show. And as always, drop us a line at GotRealPod on Instagram or Twitter. We would love to hear from you. I have to say adios, just like for the purpose of us being in Mexico. (laughs) Adios y hasta luego, good people. Like in my like gringo Spanish. Okay, that's the show. I love it. (laughs) 